You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey, what's happening, everybody? It is the Utopia Football Podcast, uh, a Wednesday mailbag edition. As we prepare for the big day tomorrow, the schedule release tomorrow. A few little dribs and drabs coming out today on the schedule that we'll, uh, we'll we'll dig into and we'll obviously get into your mailbag questions. If you didn't get a question in this week, if you weren't able to email or you're just finding the podcast this week and you want to email us a question, not anything. It can be Texans, NFL. We mix in some Astros talk on here as well on Utopia. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. My name is Sean Pendergast, one half of Pain and Pendergast. Mornings on Sports Radio 610, joined as always by my good friend, the Hall of Famer. He is our senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com and GallerySports.com, John McClain. And John, we saw the uh, the five European games, uh, the, the NFL's 2023 Tour of Europa. Uh, five games come out today, two in Germany, three in London, and for the first time ever, the Jacksonville Jaguars will be the, uh, the first NFL team to ever play back-to-back weeks in uh, in London. They're home away from home, John, for the Jacksonville Jags. Having been there in 2019 when the Texans played the Jaguars in Wembley Stadium and beat the hell out of them, uh, they do have a fan base just from sticking them over there so many times, and they've been awful most of the time. But they bounced back last season, of course, so I guess – they can uh, promote the heck out of them. You think of all the teams they'd want to see twice, there's a whole lot more they want to see more than the Jaguars because of marquee players. And I think it's very interesting that every team in AFC South is there but the Texans. And I got no problem with the Jaguars, but my goodness, the Colts were worse than the Texans. Uh, let's see, the Colts, Texas beat the Colts, and they – tied the Colts last year. Yeah. And then of course the Titans, they split with the Titans. And I don't see the appeal of either one of those teams, both of whom could be starting rookie quarterbacks. That'd at least be more exciting to me than Ryan Tannehill. But hey, NFL, uh it's not it's not the AFC South teams that they are the attractions, but I'm still surprised. Well, John, I don't think the, I mean, we look at the five games that are going over there. Uh, you know, the, I know there's a chiefs game on the schedule there and I know that there's a bills game in London, but it doesn't really seem like it's the NFL's priority to be exporting the really good matchups over there uh, to Europe. I mean, they're, they're sending over just enough football for fans in Europe to say they went to an NFL game in some of these matchups. So I don't like, I, I, I don't know that, 
I mean, you know better than I do. You've been covering the sport longer than I have, and I'm sure you've probably done pieces and talked to people that are in on the scheduling process, but it it doesn't seem like who goes over there is a real big priority for them. I mean, they're sending the Falcons over there and the Mac Jones and the Patriots. Is Do you think it's really a factor at all, sending good teams over there? Not good games. Last year was the first time they'd ever had two winning teams going up against each other. They yeah. tried to have one team that people know and, and respond to, and that's why they could have sent the Texans. Yeah. Texans are bad. Put them against a good team. They play a lot of really interesting teams this year. But no, they. That it is amazing the way it worked out. Last year was the first time they ever had two teams with winning records playing that's each other wild. in Europe. Yeah, that's crazy. That's 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 wild to me. Um, and we've also seen the Black Friday game has been announced. That'll be Dolphins and Jets playing the first ever. NFL. I don't know if it's first ever, but the has there ever been an NFL game played the Friday after Thanksgiving, to your knowledge, John? Not your that years? I know of, no. Yeah. And, they, and Amazon's paying $100 million for that game. And what I don't understand, well, I, I get, does, does Amazon do commercials? Are they like HBO and they just, they spend, send, spend <laughs> hundreds a- of millions or something like Game of Thrones just to get subscribers. Yeah, I well, the, the subscribership is a big thing. But here's the thing, John, like a lot, a majority of society is already subscribed to Amazon. You know, like it's it's a huge, it's a way bigger number than you would think already subscribed to Amazon Prime. Like a majority of people in the United States are subscribed to Amazon Prime. That's how much Jeff Bezos has his meat hooks into all of us right now. Um, and I, boy, I watched every Thursday night game last year, most of them. And I don't recall, I do believe they had commercials on there. My thing with the Black Friday thing, where I think the Amazon thing is really a cool crossover, is that's a huge shopping day. You know, like I think it's, I'm guessing there's going to be QR codes all over the screen during the game for people to pull out their phone and shop for something that they saw in the game or shop for some sort of NFL type special. Like my guess is part of, Part of the justification for paying so much for that one game has to do with the bump up in business that Amazon's going to get from people who don't feel like going out and dealing with stores on uh, on Black Friday. Black Friday is not the same. Nope. Because of companies like Amazon, primarily because of Amazon, because it's so easy to get the, the gifts delivered today. I feel bad for stores. But, hey, they came up with the idea. It'll get a lot of attention. I kind of thought they should have had the Raiders in there because when you think of the Raiders, you think of silver and black, but Raiders may be terrible this season. So I, after all the dog games Amazon had on Thursday night last year, they're doing a good one. And anybody that carrying the Dolphins, and I know you can't predict this, Sean, but Tua Tungvaloa has been hurt every year he's been in football. Yeah. So the odds are he's going to get hurt again. And I don't even know who their backup quarterback is now. He's not going to be Tua. Tua approved last year when he was playing. They had the best down-the-field offense, the best deep passing game in the NFL. So it'd be great if he stayed healthy. And think of how many games near the end of the season look great now will not be because the teams that were supposed to be good won't be. Teams that are supposed to be bad or good, but don't have those nationally scheduled Games or injuries at quarterback can t- can curtail performance more than anything that can happen in the NFL. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. John, you just said you were wondering who Miami's backup quarterback is. Maybe this is why it's Dolphins Jets on Black Friday because that is a safe matchup if you're worried about Tua getting hurt because his backup is... Mike White, the Mike former White the, Jet, yeah. the former jo- darling of Jets fans who everybody in Jets Nation loved, loved a whole lot more than Zach Wilson. So assuming Aaron Rodgers stays healthy, worst case is we get Aaron Rodgers against a guy who used to play for the Jets, which who knows? Maybe has more intrigue than Tua being in that game, <laughs> depending on how Mike White's playing. Something yeah. If Mike White had to play and he beat the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. See? The whole thing's a God blessing, John. Tua can, I'm fired up for that game. That's absolutely. Tua, go get hurt. Just go fall on your head. Go get a concussion. <laughs> um, so before we get into the mailbag questions, John, do you have a do you have a preference on uh, who you'd like to see the Texans open up against? I'd like to see them open up against a team, anybody. I don't care, but if it, if it was a division game, I'd want it to be Indy because the two rookie quarterbacks, I don't think – that you can put them in Carolina and be sure that both teams are going to have the rookie starters. They should. They're expected to. But if you give them Davis Mills and Bryce Young or whoever, uh, or Andy Dalton and C.J. Stroud, or worse, Andy Dalton and Davis Mills, it would lose the luster. But So I think it should be a team like give them a – there's nobody in the NFC South other than the Saints that would attract attention and be, you know, with Derek Carr. And there's a lot of Saints fans here, but I'd like to see him open up with an AFC South game. I would like to see them open up. I, I have more of a preference as to where than who. I, I want them to open at home. Oh, I want I to meet That's those... what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I want it to be a home game. I, I would. I would trade off if you gave me the the choice of if I could pick one, if the gods came down and said, Sean, you're either allowed to pick the opponent uh, or you're picking just whether or not it's a home game. I mean, I suppose then I would just pick somebody who they're playing at home. But you know what I mean? Like, I, as we sit here and wonder, like, who's it going to be? I just I'll take any home game. I, I, I don't want I don't want D'Amico. I want the first game of the D'Amico Ryan's era to be a game that they can walk out of one and oh you know, and feel really, really good about it. Because they would start on the road and get beat. They come home, even though it's be the first game. little luster. take away some of the luster, especially yeah. if they got defeated badly, which is always a possibility with this team. So I'm with you 100%. All right, let's get to the questions in the mailbag. Let's start off with our good friend Chris in the ATL. He is a, he is a he's got a Joe DiMaggio-like streak going of emailing mailbag at gmail.com. Um Chris asked this, the Astros have owned the fall sports season in Houston for a while now, but let's say the Strohs are still playing like this in September. Could that shift the fan base's spotlight more on the Texans and raise expectations for their season? And is that a good thing for the Texans? He says, to be clear, I hope that's not the case for the Astros and highly unlikely as they get healthier. It just blows my mind that there are seven-year-olds running around Houston who've only known the Astros as a juggernaut. What a way to start your life as a fan. Well, they've also known the Texans and the Rockets as a train wreck the last few years, so there is that. But, John, what do you think? If the Astros are hovering around 500, 
struggling to even get into the postseason in September. What does that do to the, you know, kind of the the shifting of attention on the on the three teams here in town? Now, people act like the Texans have been bad for a long time. They've been bad for three years. They beat the Bills in the wild card, won the division title in 2019 before blowing that Kansas City lead at Arrowhead Stadium, and they haven't been the same since. I went through six years with the Oilers, in which they never won more than five games. And the highlight of the year was the draft. And fortunately, they did really well in the draft with people like Mike Munchak, Bruce Matthews, Ray Childress, Haywood Jeffries, and Sign Warren Moon made some good trades. But that that was depressing every season because you knew they were going to be bad. People think they've suffered here. They haven't suffered. This was a football town forever until – the Astros until this recent thing, and they just overtook them. And I don't think the Astros have to be bad. I think if fans have raised their expectations, but they know they're not going to the playoffs. I wrote a column about this on uh, on uh, gallerysports.com that was posted yesterday about expectations might be to double the victory total to six. I can't imagine anybody would hallucinate think this team was going to the playoffs. But, at, but expectations have been raised because of D'Amico and Stroud and Anderson, and you're relying there on three rookies. D'Amico's a rookie. Offensive coordinator's a rookie. Quarterback coach at his position is a rookie. The only thing who's not of the key positions is Matt Burke, the defensive coordinator, who had that job with the Jets. So uh, they're rookies. They're all learning on the job. So I still think if they can win six games, people should be ecstatic. And if they do, fans will go crazy. Yeah, I think six games and C.J. Stroud has to look like he's on an upward trajectory. You know, it's it, it's if it's six games and he's throwing 25 interceptions, I think it's it's going to take some of the starch out of 2024 um, next year. I yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm with you on that. I think there's plenty of attention to go around. Uh, there's plenty of room for the Texans to work their way back onto the back onto the landscape. That's the thing about fanning. That's, and I guess that's part of the, you know, part, that's part of being in radio, I guess, John, when we're on a station that covers the Texans and there's another station, 790 has the Astros and the Rockets. And it does tend to like in the world we're in, in radio, I try not to be this way because I love the Astros and the Rockets too, but I see it a lot, which is there's people that let their allegiances to radio stations almost determine who they're, you know, who they're, who they fan for, you know, like I, I'm always, I'm always floored by when I see personalities on air and I don't think it happens at our station, but I do think it happens at other stations where it's not just that they're critical of the Texans. They make the fans of the Texans or in the case of the Astros 10 years ago, the Astros, whatever it may be like they, they make them feel stupid for rooting for the team. You know what I mean? Like it's, they, they embarrass them for rooting for the team. And I, that's the one thing I've never really liked. Like, I don't think it has to be the sort of way Chris is, you know, maybe, and Chris probably isn't posing the question this way, but I, it's always been curious to me, like, boy, do you think they'll get more of everybody's attention? Like, no, I think you're a sports fan. You want all the teams to do well. And you got plenty of attention for all three of them. If they're doing well. I think could be any fans with common sense feel that way. And I don't know what's on any of the other radio stations because I haven't listened to them in years. Yeah. Well, I scout the competition sometimes, John. You know, that's uh, got to stay on top of things. And I've scouted them, and I've determined that we're way better than them. That's what I've determined. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, all right, uh, Joe Q, another weekly emailer to the uh, to the show, uh, HOU mailbag at gmail.com. says, CJ Stroud is the sixth quarterback in the last 20 years to be picked number two overall. He's got two questions. The first one is this. If you look back seven years from now, and say Stroud was almost as good as Wentz. Is that a success given that Philly won a Super Bowl with Wentz on the roster? Or does he need to be well clear of Wentz in order for this to be a good move? He better be well clear. They won a Super Bowl with Wentz out with an injury. And Nick Foles won that Super Bowl. To be fair, first. Wentz was on his way to winning the MVP that year. And he was, but then he got hurt and he hadn't been worth a darn since. So he better be better than Carson Wentz. And I don't care what those people say. Well, those quarterbacks drafted number two haven't done well. In a lot of cases, that was because of the team around him, the coaching, the system. He didn't fit the system. An impatient owner who fired the coach and started over. But uh, if you have a consensus on a player, like Carson Wentz was at the time, everybody loved the guy. Uh, And he doesn't pan out. It might be the team that took him more than it is the him. Yeah, yeah. Now, I think a lot of his problems, I remember reading a story after that MVP year at a publication, it would have been like Philadelphia's version of the Houston Press that comes out every week. And a guy did this incredible deep dive into how much he was disliked and why behind the scenes. And I remember when it came out, it got a lot of attention and Wentz didn't deny it. Wentz said, I've got to do better. I've got to be better at this, got to be better at that. And he never got any better at it. Yeah. I, I don't know, John, like I, as I take whatever the Eagles situation was, you know, that was Wentz's second year in the league. If I'm mad libbing the Texans into that exact same scenario, you know, that they draft CJ Stroud, he plays at a high level, gets hurt, the backup, Case Keenum comes in and wins a Super Bowl, and then three years later, Stroud is washing out for you. Oh, by the way, the Eagles are right back to being the best team in football again, right there with the Chiefs five years later. I would say, if the the question sounds to me like the question, would you like to be the Eagles drafting Wentz in 2016, knowing this is how the next seven years play out? And I feel, well, yeah. If I can get a Super Bowl championship, but C.J. Stroud is a washout, I'll take the Super Bowl championship and then figure out the next solution. You know what I mean? Like, that's... That's uh, that's a no-brainer for me. He's, here's another question. If the Texans make the playoffs next year, but by the end of the season it's clear that Will Levis is a better quarterback than C.J. Stroud, will you still be dancing on your head about this draft? Well, you can't have hindsight about it. You made the draft. The Texans make the playoffs. That's all that matters. Doesn't matter how good Will Levis is if the yep. Texans make the playoffs. Yeah, I guess I, I guess t- take Levis out of it for a second. Like, how would we fit if the Texans sneak into the playoffs as a seven seed, let's say at nine and eight, but Stroud is really, you know, it's totally based on the back of the defense. Are, are we just? I guess we feel great about that, right? They made the postseason, but but the 
you know, they did it in spite of the quarterback, and we hope that the quarterback gets better the next year. Well, you'd have to be a dumbass to think that you expect big things out of a quarterback. A lot of them don't do well early in their career. You want to see improvement. You want to see signs that he can be good. But uh, I've never known anybody. I don't even remember what was the question this season or next season. It says if the Texans make the playoffs next year. I You never know if he means this coming season or, yeah. yeah. I'm guessing it's 2024. Yeah. And after two years, and if they made the playoffs, it doesn't matter how Stroud plays. Yeah. If they make the playoffs, that's all that matters. Yeah. I would say, um, I would say the the question is, will you still be dancing on your head about this draft? And I would say yes, because if they're making the playoffs in spite of Stroud, it means the defense is really good, which tells me that Will Anderson is probably the real deal. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, yeah. Well, am I dancing on my head? Well, you know, if Stroud's playing poorly, no, probably not. But I will say this. If Anderson's playing at a level where the defense is the reason you're making the playoffs, then nobody's going to talk about that trade anymore, you know, about them you know, overpaying for Will Anderson. By the way, John, here are the other quarterbacks taken in the last, I guess, 11 years with the number two overall pick. RG3, Marcus Mariota, Carson Wentz, Mitchell Trubisky, Zach Wilson. Well, That's RG3 not a great list. was great as a rookie. Yeah. Better than Andrew Luck. Yeah. He was NFL offensive rookie of the year until he got hurt twice. And Mike Shanahan played him when he was injured. So you can't hold that against him. Yep. Uh, all right. Next question. Um, accept my trade sucker at yahoo.com <laughs> sends this in. I don't think that's his real name, by the way. Um, when the schedule is <laughs> when the schedule is released, when the schedule is released this week, it might make for a more interesting segment to project uh, how many games the Texans will not be double digit underdogs as opposed to projecting wins. That's an interesting thought, John, like boy, especially that David Cully year. It felt like they were double-digit underdogs every week that year in 2021. Like, crazy. It should have been because yeah. Nick Casario was told to tear it down and start a massive rebuild, which he R- did. Right. Yeah, I'm not here to criticize anybody over that. I guess I'm just – I'm using this as a – I'm going somewhere with this is what I'm saying. Um, I actually went down – as in reading this question, I went through the exercise of what games will they be uh, underdogs by double digits – uh, this coming season. And I can only come up with three that I think they will be double digit underdogs as of right now. And I think they are three road games. I don't think there's a single home game on the schedule where they're going to be a double digit underdog. They're, they're home... I can guess. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, Baltimore. Yes. Um, the jets. Yes. And no division. I can't imagine they'd be double digits at Jacksonville. You're missing and, the most obvious one, in my opinion. Uh, let me think a minute. Uh, they're playing NFC South. None of those. It's not the Browns. It's here. Who is it? I, well, the Browns. So they play. The Browns. They, they play don't play home. Kansas City, do they? No, they play at Cincinnati this year, John. Oh, the Bengals. Yeah, Bengals. yeah. I think the Bengals will be. I think that'll be the. You know, they'll come out with spreads on all these games the day after <laughs> the schedule gets put out. I think that'll be the biggest. If I had to predict, the biggest spread on the board will be the Texans at Cincinnati. That is one, John, if I had one preference, I'll put it right here, one prep. If I could have one, if the schedule gods gave me one wish for the first game to not be, I do not want the first game to be at Cincinnati. That's my one not wish. Well, Baltimore's killed them too. Lamar Jackson's just murdered them when they played them whether it's here or there. I'm thinking last season when they played the NFC East and AFC West, 
they would have been, wouldn't they have been double digit uh, underdogs to several of those teams? Yeah, they were double digit underdogs plenty last year too. But I just remember David Cully's one year here. It was just, it, was, it didn't matter pathetic. where they were playing or who they were playing. They were dogs. They were dogs by double digits all the time. All because the they time. were dogs. They were dogs. They were bad. They were not the good kind of dogs either. Um, all right, Alfredo in spring. Again, if you want to email mailbag at gmail.com, Alfredo's another. We got a lot of the regulars coming out of the woodwork today. It's good. Um, what's up, Sean and John? What an amazing draft. I feel like the Texans got every need in every position they needed, so I'll give them an A-minus on the draft. I wish they would have gone for a cornerback anywhere between the third and fifth rounds. That is one position they did not draft anybody that I can think of. Do you all feel like the Texans – should have addressed a certain position that they might have missed in the draft. He's also got a follow-up for Real or Fugazi for you. But, John, do you feel like coming out of the draft, I think the Texans came away with, what, nine players in this draft? Um, yeah, I gave them an A, and they have four cornerbacks, including Stingley, so I'm not surprised that they didn't draft another one because they've got three veterans in Stingley. I think next year they'll be drafting a corner. Are, are you? Is there a position you were surprised they they didn't draft? Um, let's see. Um, 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 uh, they, I have one. I, I mean, I'm surprised they didn't draft a running back, honestly. Uh, are you, you know, with like a day three pick, yeah, yeah, because that, that's the one position it feels like if, you, if you're using your picks on day three. I mean, Nick uses most of his day three picks to maneuver around on the other two days. Um, but that's a position I feel like if you're drafting a guy in the sixth round. You know, he really plays more like a third or fourth rounder because of the the commoditization of that position. I, I'll be honest, I was hoping they draft Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas State, like on day three. I, I love Deuce Vaughn, and I knew he'd fall because he was, you know, because he's five foot five. Now we we would have been deprived of the moment of his dad calling him to tell him he was coming to work yeah. with him that Monday, which was really cool. But I think running running back is one for me, John. Can you think of a position that they didn't draft somebody where you were like, ah, I'm a little surprised they didn't do that? No. And yeah. the reason I say it about a running back is you hope he would never play, and he would never play unless one of the first two gets injured. And then they may like a veteran instead. Deuce Vaughn's not a special teams player. I would love to have seen him. Yeah. But uh, with Tank Dell coming in as a punt returner, yeah. um, you know, if it was Deuce Vaughn, I'd love to see the guy because I watched him in the Big 12 so much. But uh, I would, they, they took care of every need I thought they had. And, uh, you know, once they'd signed Dalton Schultz, um, did they draft a tight end? No, I don't think so. I would guess say a tight end, a tight end but I know they're really, really high on Tegan Couturiano, who yeah. flashed last season when he was healthy. Uh, here's the for real or Fugazi. The Texans will win more than seven games this coming season. For real or Fugazi? Fugazi. Yeah, I think he just wanted to hear you say Fugazi. That well, was I it. hope I hope that'd be great, but I just can't see it. Oh. After, I got burned last year picking them to win six after did. they'd won four. Yep. And we look like idiots. I hate to I hate to go over it. It's amazing to me how many mock drafts looking ahead have Arizona with the first two picks. I yeah. just they have an agenda to say, oh, they're gonna get Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. And uh, but I'd be I can't tell you how shocked I'd be if the Texans have the second worst record in football. Next yeah, year. some of that is leaning into a story. I think, you know, it's, if you have a mock draft, that's a that's a clickable story to see a team have the top two picks 
And I don't look and the Texans, if we're being honest, they've not done anything as an organization the last four years to to uh, engender the benefit of the doubt from anybody. You know, so I it'll play out like these guys predicting the season on the mock drafts. That's it is what it is. Um, Charles Honeycutt says, uh, thank you to the Texans for uh, thinking with common sense on a quarterback. I'm happy we were aggressive and took Stroud and Anderson. Based on this, my question is, who do you think wanted Stroud and who wanted Anderson more between Cal McNair, D'Amico Ryans, and Nick Casario? John, the floor is yours. Well, first of all, Cal McNair has nothing to do with it. There just blows me away all these idiots nationally who still think he makes decisions when he doesn't. And we've been saying that and writing it and broadcasting it here. Well, he makes decisions. Years. They're just not, they're not anything related to selecting players. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like he fire he and Anna McNair, they'll fire people. Yeah. Uh, but they don't, they don't, they just don't. They tell them what they're doing. Like they didn't want to trade DeAndre Hopkins, but they didn't make him not do it because they pay their people a lot of money to make those decisions. If it doesn't work out, they get fired. So, I know all of them, only four of them knew what they were doing with Stroud, and they knew the parameters were in place to trade for Will Anderson, but they had to go up to the last minute to pull it out. So I don't think any of them wanted him more than anybody else. People think D'Amico, because he's a defensive coordinator, was fired up about Anderson. He was, but he also knows the significance of trying to get a franchise quarterback, and they were pumped about that. And if they had not, taken Stroud, there's a good chance Tennessee would have traded with Arizona and gotten C.J. Stroud, and he would have gone against them, you know, twice a year for a long time. I think we've seen enough and heard enough from D'Amico and Nick to know that they're super excited about both guys. Oh, these were not goodness. These were not picks that were made. This is my pick, and now we got to give up all this capital, and you get your guy, and now everybody's happy because we have a – you get this candy bar, and you get this candy bar, and the two of you be quiet in the back seat. okay? It's not – that's not the case. <laughs> I, I do think, you know, as far as Cal goes, Cal's never going to say like, oh, yeah, I really love Stroud and Anderson. That was all right. But I do think as the owner of the organization, he and Hannah and Janice, I do think that using one of these two picks on a quarterback probably really hits home for them that they can really kind of finally now put all the Deshaun stuff behind them. There's a new quarterback. And, and let's face it. As far as what's good for business, not that the McNairs are struggling to keep the lights on, you know, on River Oaks Boulevard over there. Um, but business wise, man, the quarterback is what moves the needle on things, too. Like that's what's you. It's not a money thing with the ticket sales. It's a visual thing of seeing all those opposing fans in the stadium and stuff like that. And if you go, OK, well, what's the solution to get this out of here? The quarterback is the quick solution to get those other fans out of there. And I think. I think deep down, if like if you were to feed Cal some truth serum as to does one pick mean more to you than the other one, I think just there's a lot of reasons to really say, yeah, man, when we when we take a quarterback, this just is a big game changer for us. Second highest pay, the highest drafted quarterback they've ever had, David Carr and the McNairs. I've talked to them; they're super excited. Yeah, about getting C.J. Stroud because Nick Casario and D'Amico were excited about uh, getting him. And I think if it if they'd been excited and they said we want Anthony Richardson, they would have been just as excited about for Anthony sure. Richardson. Yep, I or agree Bryce with that. Young. I agree with that. I'm really growing to like C.J. Stroud in these first couple of weeks. We've gotten to I say we've gotten to know him. You know, like I mean, just in terms of observing press conferences and learning more of his backstory and things like that too. He's he's very very likable. 
a small thing that that I can't wait to see at the rookie minicamp. The Texans in the past it started with uh, with Casario and uh, Easterby mm-hmm. stuck the media down in the corner during uh, training camp and mini camps where we couldn't see squat and do our jobs. And so now Easterby's been fired. D'Amico's here. The 49ers, because I've been to their practices. They had joint practices one time. Media access was so much better as far as where you could stand, go to the end zones, be on the sideline opposite the players. I'm eager to see if this changes under D'Amico. And uh, because I asked O'Brien at his first time, he had us in the corner and I asked him, I said, what kind of coach would you be? If you uh, had to coach all the time, standing in the corner of the end zone, he said, I'd be terrible. Why? And I said, well, why do you think we can do our job down there? Yeah. You guys get mad when we're wrong and you're standing down there in the corner. You try it. He said, well, what do you want? I said, I'd like to have it where we can go to end to end. He said, okay. He just never thought about it. Mm. Yeah. That's uh Kubiak was a much more open environment. If I oh, remember, we could right? go anywhere. We yeah. could talk to assistant coaches coming off the field. Just let PR yeah. know. If I want to talk to Wade Phillips walking off the field, I can talk to Wade Phillips. And then they they implemented the Patriot way here, and the Patriot people get stuck down in, in the corner. And I'm hmm. hoping with D'Amico that it changes. Yep, that would be cool. Um, all right, John, what do you got going on on your various platforms? Uh, I have a uh, column on uh, com about uh, how fired up Hannah and Cal McNair and D'Amico are about uh, what happened and uh, the Brookie mini camp coming up. And then I got another one on gallerysports.com, uh, similar, but more about uh, D'Amico in his first uh, rookie mini camp, comparing it to when he was a rookie and, course we'll have all kind of stuff on the schedule i think you and i'll be doing a, another uh podcast on friday morning we will what time is rookie minicamp on friday do you know they haven't sent out the schedule yet okay so we'll uh so we'll i would imagine we'll be recording around that around the, the rookie minicamp you're, you're gonna be out there right john yep i'll be yep. out there we'll have that and we'll have the schedule to discuss yep for sure so we'll do that after rookie minicamp observations from rookie minicamp and a breakdown of the texan schedule so this is a three episode week here as we head into the uh the dog days of summer there's still plenty of meat on the bone here with the schedule coming out and with rookie minicamp our first look at this texans rookie class and they still haven't doled out the jersey numbers yet john at least as as you and i are recording this they've not yet do you think Kaimi Fairbairn and C.J. Stroud are arm wrestling for number seven right now or maybe doing like an office Olympics or something like that, you know, a little triangle paper football and stuff? Well, Fairbairn's done a whole lot more for this organization than Stroud has. So unless Stroud pays him a lot of money, I certainly wouldn't give up my number. Yeah, well, I think that's that may be what it comes down to. Well, I, this just in, C.J. Stroud, he's got a lot of money. <laughs> he certainly will have a lot of money he, he, he will have a lot of money no doubt about that all right um john i enjoyed it as always thank you very much john i did too and i look forward to talking to you on friday same uh big thanks to figgy fig for getting the podcast out to all you guys click subscribe you'll get the podcast sent right to you every time we drop a new one so we appreciate you doing that and telling a friend or two about the utopia football podcast uh hou mailbag at gmail.com to send us an email, uh, a question for next week. Uh, we, we welcome that. 
And uh, again, clicking that subscribe button always helps out as well. For the general, the Hall of Famer, John McClain, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see you all Friday for a bonus episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. Continue to have a great week, everybody.